This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 20. The winners of the April Zebra Review theme of Singing the Blues share how they arrived at success with their pieces and they discuss safety in the studio. Nicole with 1300 North Design shares tips on how to achieve that ideal chippy finish. Tara with Vintage Chic, Alyssa with The Things We Build, and Mary with Joy Grace Design share what's happening in their studios this week. Amanda with Lemon Pepper Farmhouse gives accolades to Arena with Repurposed, Refinished, Upcycled. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Well, it's a privilege to have three very talented refinishers on our podcast today. They are the winners of the Zebra Review for April. The theme was singing the blues on a rainy day, of course, as April is known for rain showers in preparation for May flowers. Our three winners are Daisy with its a Daisy Creations winning first, Courtney with Stillbird Studios taking second, and Susan with Little Lou Designs running away with third. Congratulations, winners. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we get into your pieces, I'd like to ask each of you a few general questions just to get to know you better. And let's go ahead and start with Daisy. Daisy, tell us where you live and what you like about living in Texas. But what part of Texas do you live in? Okay, so I live in Austin. Um, I guess uh, us Austinites call each other Austinites <laughs> um, <laughs> because basically Austin became or it used to be really small city and maybe a decade ago it's just grown um, and when I say grown I mean our our traffic here is basically just as bad as New York's <laughs> mm, really that's pretty and, rough right and they happened within a decade. I mean, I've been here my whole life. And as soon as I got to start driving, it was perfectly fine for a good, I don't know, three or four years. And then right after that, I mean, going from what is one part of the city to the end took us maybe an hour when it used to be about 25 minute drive. Oh, my word. So, I mean, and, and then since we're talking about what I don't like about Austin, that's going to be it. <laughs> so so what do you like about austin i mean this is my hometown it's basically all i really know i don't have much to compare it to um but i do love that most of my family is here and the fact that you know this is my hometown so to say that i actually love something most would kind of be like going into touristy things you know i mean the fact that this is one of the music capital of the world i like it but i'm not one of the people out there (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, I'm just happy that it's my hometown and that I've been here. That's basically it. Yeah, Yeah, you just just would like for the infrastructure to catch up to all the traffic, I bet. That's rough. Essentially, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Daisy, how long have you been refinishing? I think I've actually been refinishing for a good five years. I think maybe I'm creeping into six. Wow. Wow, that's excellent. So you're you're a pro. I, I would like to think so, yes. (laughs) <laughs> so where do you get your pieces that you refinish? I'm sure there's a multitude of places, but what's the primary place you, you pick up pieces? I don't think I have a one primary place. I do buy a lot from Facebook Marketplace, um, and that's when I have control or when any of us have control, obviously, of choosing what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, I do buy thrifted items. I also, whatever I can find, if I do find something, I will stop for it, and I will grab it. My partner doesn't like it when I do that, but... I make them come along for the ride for the most part. <laughs> um, and then I get a lot of donated pieces as well, uh, pieces from um, either a client or, or a family member. Yeah. 
Well, that's nice, isn't it? I mean, you don't have any upfront cost uh, at all. And, right. Uh, when they're donated, uh, yes, there's no upfront cost. When we search for it, then, well, there's a bit of an upfront cost. But So how's business been for you this, uh, this, this year in 2022? Actually, it's been quite slow, um, and I'm trying to understand what's going on or what the difference is. Um, I had an online shop, and I had to shut it down um, for a little bit, and I think I'm going to have to reopen it or get a different uh, – I need to do something different, basically, because my pieces are, are not moving, which is kind of sad for me. Yeah, do you think uh, – have you seen, I guess – maybe a correlation then between obviously there's a lot of concerns in the economy these days. Do you feel like that's been uh, a big factor? I think that is a huge factor. Um, and I also think that algorithms are a huge factor. Mm, yeah. What well, is difficult keeping up in it? Right. Yes. For me, it has been, um, I haven't been somebody who's been in social media much to begin with. I, I sort of try to stay away and I am just now coming into it, um, which is putting me a little behind because like I said, I have been doing this for close to six years. And the fact that I'm barely now mm-hmm. putting my foot in and saying, Hey, I'm here and I exist, <laughs> you know, so I'm playing the catch up game basically and, and trying to understand everything. And I, I feel a little behind, which is a little stressful, but I feel very strongly that my pieces are great and that they're beautiful and they're in beautiful condition, you know, so I'm hoping that eventually they will get sold. And it's happened before in the past where, you know, a few months go by and nothing sells. And I never thought anything of Mm -hmm. it. But now that I'm actually trying, I'm like, you know what, (laughs) you really need to start doing your research and, you know, put a little more work in then make sure that your your social media is there and making sure that I, I have my own website, which is something that I don't have. And I actually need to look into that. Well, aside, obviously, from what you just brought up, the, the challenges you're having of, of selling your pieces, what would you say your cha- what are the challenges you have in refinishing? I'm speaking strictly the refinishing process itself other than selling. I mean, like, what do you find the most challenging for you? I think the most challenging for me would actually be, um, you know, when you're ready to just paint and you're just going for it and then you start painting and then all the little problems start coming up things that you missed while you were in the prep work that's mm-hmm. my biggest challenge um when you're already painting another big challenge for me is the fact that i have a few health issues so actually working outside is something that i can't do and working in the garage for a long period of time is is something that i can't do either so i have to figure out how to Tetris, like we all do, right? We all have to figure out how to store our furniture. But mm-hmm. for me, it's Tetrising it inside, <laughs> mm. finding a way to get it inside, and then making sure that on my way out, nothing happens. And it's it's always a game of Tetris. I think that's my biggest challenge right now, too. Hopefully, some of those challenges will clear up over time, and especially um, selling your furniture. I know that's frustrating having to wait once you've worked so hard on a piece and like you said, you see it's beautiful and you're just uh, you're ready to see it uh, sell and, and uh, enter somebody's home. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Courtney, you still live in Charleston, right? I, I do. Yes. So, so I was trying to remember how long have you, how long have you been in Charleston? Cause you moved out of New York city, I believe you said, and now you're in Charleston. Yeah. So how long you live there? Gosh, like it's coming on, I think 10 years, which is, really crazy because it just seems like we just moved i still feel kind of new to the area and i i probably shouldn't but it's uh it's really funny i just had a friend visit me from new jersey and she was like 
because I made a joke that I was a Southern Belle. And she's like, I'm not really sure if I know what a Southern Belle is, but I don't think you are. <laughs> it was really funny. So, yeah, I'm a Yankee Southern Belle. <laughs> there you go. You're a transplant. <laughs> so what do you like about Charleston? Um, well, I like that the winters aren't <laughs> as terrible as what I grew up in. Um, obviously, there's the beaches, and which I don't go to nearly enough which is kind of embarrassing. I mean, I hardly ever go, but the, you know, there's so much to see. There's uh, just incredible scenery and I don't know. I, I do like how many restaurants are always popping up. You know, this is a a crazy growing uh, area. So there's definitely always lots to do, which I need to do more of, (laughs) but um, there's, it's just a, a growing, beautiful area. Well, I'm sure between family and refinishing, you stay pretty busy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, you have another business as well, your skincare products. Yeah. So I ended up um, doing just, a, gosh, around Christmas, I kind of realized I wasn't loving it as much as I was furniture, mm-hmm. and I wanted to focus on furniture full time, especially with um, shipping and getting inventory and jars and ingredients. I was just like, wait a second, I'm my own boss and I can make the decision to stop doing something if I don't love it. So mm-hmm. um, I closed that down and I'm doing furniture full time and I couldn't be happier. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's excellent. I mean, it's wise to be able to sort of make an assessment of what works best for your stage in life. Yeah. And, you know, who knows, you can always pull it back up if you decide to get back into it again. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I'm so grateful I was able to make products and get to know a lot of business owners in the area. And, you know, I, I mean, I sold my uh, skincare, you know, nationwide and I just, um, it was a very, very good experience, but it was time for the yeah. door to close. Yeah. I'm curious, how far are you to Savannah? Oh gosh, I think like two and a half hours. Oh, I could be rest. It's, it's around like two, two and a half hours, I think. So you don't, you don't have any, do you have any clientele down in Savannah that you sell furniture to? Uh, yeah. So people actually do travel, um, to get my pieces and I have had someone come from Savannah. I think last month actually someone came. So I do here and there definitely, but, um, it's really nice. Well, yeah. Savannah is beautiful. Like Charleston, there's some, Mm -hmm. uh, really a lot of historical, beautiful homes in those areas. So I, I thought maybe you'd probably have clientele from there. Yeah. So remind us how long you've been refinishing. I was just thinking when you were asking uh, before. Um, I think I'm coming on five or six years now. So, yeah, about the same. Oh, wow. And you get most of your pieces from multiple places? Any specific um, uh, venue that you get your pieces from, Mm. like any restore places? Uh, begrudgingly, I really do marketplace, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I it's been horrible these days. <laughs> For the past year, actually, it's just been oh man. But I mean, I will. What I'll do is I, I'll honestly like do my do all the pieces that I've gotten off the marketplace and then wait to the last minute that I have like nothing left, and then I'll just like pay way too much for a piece that I have to do like a week. Uh, stripping on, mm-hmm. which is actually what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, so marketplace is typically where I look. And once in a while, I'll go to Habitat, and I I do find 
good pieces here and there, but my mm-hmm. Goodwill right down the road, man, all they are selling are like frumpy couch couches and chairs mm-hmm. <laughs> these days. <laughs> so unfortunately, <laughs> uh, marketplace is where I'm at these days. Yeah. And I guess the challenge that a lot of people have had is that marketplace prices have gone up. Have you seen that as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I've increased my prices and so far I've had luck, but yeah, it's definitely, I'm spending twice as much for something I never would have <laughs> considered spending that yeah, on. So. Yeah. And, and has business, so it sounds like you know, your, your pieces are moving pretty well. Yeah. So I've been in that situation where pieces just aren't selling, especially during summer when things are slower. Um, I totally have been there just like waiting for inventory to move, but this year has been just really incredible for me and I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Um, so my pieces typically sell within 24 hours, um, or less. So Mm -hmm. I'm constantly working and moving pieces and I feel very, very fortunate. And I know that, um, it's not like that (laughs) all the time. So I'm, I'm just uh, hanging on to it while I can. <laughs> yeah. Now, Courtney, when you are working on a piece, obviously we see um, your post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Are, are most of your clients also following you on Instagram? And is that where they find out about your pieces, reach out to you and say, hey, I'd like to buy it? Or are you also posting them in other locations as well? Um, I would say about 80% is off uh, Instagram. I'll do sneak peeks of the pieces I'm working on. And mm-hmm. usually I'll have a, a group of people that have been waiting to get a dresser from me for a few months and uh, it, it got sold beforehand when they couldn't get it. So typically Instagram. Um, and then if it doesn't sell right away, I'll put it on marketplace and it'll typically sell, you know, that day off, yeah. off marketplace. But uh, Instagram has been, it's a, it's a whole nother job in itself, but it's been very vital to, I, I think my sales and just my uh, ability to get clientele and, you know, just, uh, yeah, it's been helpful overall, I think. Very good. And so what's your, what would you say your challenge in refinishing is when you, when you're thinking about the process of refinishing? Mm, Probably kind of touching on (laughs) everything I just said, managing social media Mm. and my time, you know, like the pieces I'm, I'm getting aren't, it's not like a, a, a quick scuff sand and primer paint. It's like a huge process that I'm typically redesigning an entire piece or it needs a lot of work. So mm-hmm. um, each piece takes me about a week. So it's just uh, managing my time overall and trying to do it more efficiently. Well, Susan, you live in Massachusetts. Uh, where exactly in Massachusetts? I am northwest of Boston, about 30 minutes. Okay. And I think you've lived there for quite a while now, correct? Pretty much my whole life, yes. So you know the area very well. I do. (laughs) So what do you like about living there? Oh, well, just Massachusetts in general. I love, we have all the seasons and I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) We have the mountains, we can go skiing in the winter. We have the beaches, the lakes, the oceans in the summer, so... This is where I'm staying. I love just the the combination of everything. Yeah, it is. You do have very defined seasons, don't you? Oh, definitely. What's your favorite? Probably fall. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I do. I like them all. By the time I get tired of one season, it's it's perfect timing because we're switching into the next. But I think fall <laughs> is right. probably my. It just seems just things settle down and it just yeah. it's perfect temperature. So I guess fall. Yeah. 
Well, I guess New England in general is kind of known for fall anyway, isn't it? Just because yes. of the beautiful leaves <laughs> and colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've been showcasing on your IG account your, I believe it's a lake home. Is that complete now? Um, Pretty much. Yes, it is. We had, did some renovations. Those are all done. Now it's just the finishing touches that will be getting. We're, we're wrapping up. Yeah. So what's that like being a refinisher and uh, having two homes? Like, are you not tempted to just like move everything that you refinish into a room in one of those two homes? <laughs> well, we bought the lake house um, during COVID. So just with the shortage, the whole world shut down with the shortage of furniture companies. I mean, you could you couldn't buy new furniture. So I was very grateful that I had <laughs> this ability to <laughs> redesign and paint and build furniture. So a majority of our lake house is furnished with pieces I had sitting in my garage, um, pieces I found on the side of the road um, that I was able to paint and repair and fix and it fit in perfectly. Yeah. So we didn't, you know, so many people were waiting you know, months upon months, even up to year plus for new pieces of furniture. So, um, yeah, it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge advantage and also cost saving in that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, are you going to break the trend here? Are you around six years in refinishing? I'm about four years, I believe. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. So, well, that's, that's still not too far away from, from five, six years. So we're, we're kind of in a group here. So you just mentioned kind of where you get your pieces. Uh, did What would you say, though, is the number one place? Like when you, you're ready to work on a piece, where do you go first to look? Do you just go marketplace or yes, is there a store? It is marketplace. Um, we used to have a place down the Cape, and they had a great restore um, habitat for humidity store down there that just had amazing stuff all the time. But now that's a two-hour mm-hmm. drive for me, so I'm unfortunately not able to go there anymore. Um, but most of my finds come from marketplace or um, people reaching out to me because they know I restore furniture. So they'll say, hey, my aunt has a piece or my friend has a piece. Do you want to look at it? So I get a lot of people um, offering me pieces and then sometimes just seeing it on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, it, it sounds like Marketplace is the primary target. <laughs> it's, it's just the easiest to search through and, and just other um, buy and sell groups on Facebook. Yeah. So how has business been for you uh, these last few months? It's actually been really good. I I kind of agree with Courtney, and I feel so blessed and lucky because um, the last many pieces that I've done somehow have sold within the first few hours of me posting Mm. them, which that has not ever happened. And I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop saying, okay, this is not going to continue. This is just luck. This is, you know, (laughs) um, but the past probably six or so pieces right after posting have sold until the last, I just did a set, um, and one of the two. So I ended up breaking up the set. So one has sold, the other hasn't. So it's still fine. It's only been about two weeks, but I was so used to them flying off the shelves yeah. that I, I got spoiled with that. And so now I'm thinking, what's taking so long? I've had this piece for two weeks, but <laughs> in time, the right person will come. So I think this is more of the norm of how it, I guess, typical. It doesn't, they, you know, usually don't sell right away, yeah. but I was just lucky. So, yeah, so interesting. Uh, with refinishing requires patience, doesn't it? Yes. Patience in so many aspects of the process, too. I mean, you know, you want to get to the end, but you've got all that prep work and sanding and all of that to do. Uh, but also sometimes patience with uh, waiting for it to sell. 
Yes, because if you rush it or if you drop the price too quickly, you could, you know, could if you waited a little bit longer, you would have found out you had a full price offer the next day. Or- <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, Susan, are your challenges when it comes to the refinishing process? I guess it would be a challenge, but it's when I get most nervous is when I'm putting the the final coats of paint on <laughs> because, all, you know, this is kind of the, it's either going to make it or break it. You've done all the prep work and all the repairs. Mm. And I always just get nervous with the paint. Is something going to happen? Is the, t- is the coat not going to, because you're so to the end. Um, so that is, I yeah. think my, that's the part that makes me most nervous about, you know, how's it going to turn out? I I love doing all the prep um, and repairs. Mm-hmm. That is easy for me. The painting part, um, I think, is the hardest. Listeners, stay tuned because after we discuss their pieces, we're going to have a panel discussion on safety in the studio. Also, you can see the pieces we're discussing by going to our enjoyzebra.com site and scroll to the bottom and click on podcast. Well, let's start with Daisy. Daisy, you won first place with your beautiful chest of drawers. Describe it for us. Right. So it was a French provincial one. Um, And I basically, as soon as I saw it, I thought this has to be single color, but this has beautiful wood grain. So I want to respect that wood grain. I didn't want to do it on the top. So I started by sanding the two top drawers because they were a different size. So I thought that's going to work out. And I did. I sanded them. And then I hated the stain when I put it on there. I mean, when I say I hate it, it was just not the right color. I didn't like the way it looked. So I painted it. <laughs> I'm like, it's not going to happen. But I still couldn't paint the last top one. The top one, I did leave the stain. And I just couldn't bring myself to paint it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start again. But just on this one. So I started again. I stripped it back again. And I used a different stain and that one ended up working out. And then I went and I gilded all the gold inside that little, it's got like a little inlay. So I Uh went in there and I gilded all of that. And I thought that was it. That's all it needed. And, (laughs) but you know, we go through it in our head. We're like, wait, hang on. I, I, (laughs) I had a thing planned. So I'm just really grateful that I didn't give up on my little plan because I love the way it turned out. I love the way it turned out. So the bottom scroll part, uh, is that stain or is that also gilded? That's also gilded, yes. And I, I did sit down and, you know, we do the little weird yoga poses when we're down there trying to figure out how to make sure that we keep our hands straight. <laughs> but yeah, that that's definitely gilded. It just needed that pop too. Like, I, I think sometimes you need to add the gold right and you just need to balance it. And that was my way of balancing it. Yeah. I got a question. I've always wondered this. So if you're doing the gilding, the gold on, on something and you put it on and you don't like it, is there is it easy to get off or is it like really difficult to get that off? I think it depends on the piece that you're working on. Um, if you go and you try to wipe it off immediately at that moment, uh, some of it will come off, but you'll still see the gold there. It'll still mm-hmm. shimmer. Um, if you go in with an oil-based wax and if you can precisely remove it, it'll take it off. But now you're adding a different sheen to your piece, depending mm-hmm. on what you use to seal it with. So it, it that's the thing. You're going to do it and you're going to risk it, basically. Yeah, um, so you, you just you gotta know your own hand. You gotta be prepared <laughs> to fix anything that might come afterwards. You know, it's funny. Yeah. We'll watch. We'll watch a bunch of us out here. We'll just go and we'll get our finger and we'll go for it. Right? I I use brushes and I'll use my fingers and everything. But sometimes you just miss the mark. 
<laughs> I mean, we're all human. I guess I guess the bottom line is when you put it on, you better be confident that uh, oh, right. it's best to be confident. Yeah, I know this is what I want to do as opposed to second guessing it. It's one of those things, right? When you're like, I have like, it's that five second rule, right? When you're like, I'm going to do it. And then if you like, <laughs> you if you're going to fake it out, then maybe that's not the right day to do. <laughs> maybe you need to go in there. You need to give it a moment and then confidently come back and do it. For me, that's how it works anyway. Yeah. Because I hate, I hate fixing my mistakes. It's one of those things. We all make them. We all have our you know small little things that we have to go back and touch ups. But it's one of the things that I hate the most because you already put so much work into it, and now you got to go and fix that tiny little spot. And try to blend it in with everything else. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So that's the refinisher's five-second rule. That's right. pretty cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, any questions for Daisy? I was going to ask about the gold on the bottom, but you just covered that. It looks so pretty. It was just gold. I don't know if we can actually say the brand of the paint, but but it was gold. It's a gorgeous blue. Yeah. And, and what brand oh, is that? Oh, the blue. The blue was Vagabond. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it is really beautiful. Um, so did you have structural repairs on this thing? This one was actually an easy one. There was absolutely no structural repairs other than putting or doing the drawer stoppers on there. So all I had to do was clean and smooth out um, and then maybe fill in a couple of scratches. So I got like, this is one of those pieces where I actually paid money for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, the price is a little steep, but guess what? This piece is actually in great condition. So you're not going to spend a week trying to exactly. fix, uh, make it not wobble. Exactly. I mean, I did spend a couple of days or a few more hours than I wanted to, but that was just my own thing because I couldn't figure out the stain. So, so that's where I, I lost a little bit of time. Yeah, that's such a good point because um, <clears throat> when you when you are hesitant to pay a little bit more. Uh, you certainly can check out the condition of the piece, and if it prevents you from, or if you don't have to put a lot of structural repair effort into it, then you know you can afford to pay a little more for it. Just Daisy, describe your style for us. Um, well, that's going to be a little difficult because I I like everything. <laughs> I, I, I love maybe. I love a little bit of everything. Um, I do. I, I like to keep everything. Um, or I like to respect vintage when it is vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to respect as much of it as I can, and I do like to respect the wood grain when I can. Um, you know, when you can, because most of it is veneer too, depending on the pieces that we have, right? Um, but I think I like I like I like it when it's somewhere between modern and vintage, where it's not super crazy chippy or or when it's just one color. I still need a little bit of character in my pieces. So, yeah. and then again, like I said, I will respect the piece as much as I can. I I, I don't appreciate taking too much of the character out of it to where it's just completely square and modern. Yeah, right. I mean, that's my, that's my style. And even in my own apartment, I will have, you know, pieces that aren't, that aren't too precious basically. Yeah. Well, you really did a lovely job on this piece, Daisy. Congratulations. Thank you. Share your Instagram account with our listeners in case they're not following you. They can start following you today. It's a Daisy Creations. Excellent. Well, Courtney, you won second place. Your piece is a dresser, but also, well, I say dresser, but it's really an antique secretary desk, I believe. Uh, I suppose it can maybe be both at the same time. Yeah, definitely. It's a very unique piece, and it's kind of out of the style that I typically do, but I just thought it was so, I don't know, I've never seen one that looked 
so much like a dresser, like and a surprise once you open <laughs> it. So it's it's definitely such a cool piece. Yeah. So tell us all about it. Tell us what you did to it. I picked it up. It was basically right down the road. It was one of those like, oh shoot, I have nothing to work on, <laughs> and uh, I need something now that's close by. And she was, I think she posted it for like a hundred bucks, and. I just saw the inside and I was just like, oh, wow. You know, so my husband went and got it. And honestly, I I didn't really have a plan besides um, making the top. Originally, the top portion that folds down, it it had it was just um, kind of like a, a wood panel. But I wanted to put another piece of wood trim on it to make it look like it was actually the four drawers. So that that was my original plan with just, you know, making sure all the drawers looked, you know, um, the same size and I was able to construct it that way. And then with the color, I just saw it being a blue piece and I wasn't going to do the linen look until like the very last second. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do my favorite finish because it's just easy for me to do. And I know it's popular and I think it'll look really good on this piece. So. Um, it was kind of like, <laughs> it wasn't like I had a great vision for this one. I just knew I wanted it to look like an actual dresser and I wanted it to be blue and it turned out amazing. I, I really, really loved it. Well, you certainly made all the right decisions, uh, winning an award for it. Questions for Courtney? Yeah. I mean, what made you, what made you put the little middle piece on there? Well, the, the top portion, it kind of looked a little, uh, like top heavy almost without that little piece of trim to make it look like I had the drawers. So it was just like two drawers and then like just, it looked like one big drawer, you know, like that it was, it looked kind of weird, but it was still cool. And I saw the potential in it. If I just like added that extra piece to make it look like it had four. And I mean, it, unless you see it open, it looks like a four drawer antique style dresser. So Right, which is kind of what you just covered, but that I think that decision right there that like totally took it to the next level, in my opinion. I just love the way it looks when you turned out, and I think it's funny that you said that the linen is actually easy for you. Like I, I would not even attempt. <laughs> it's like, like that is to me that is that is um, I don't know. I mean, I would have imposter syndrome as soon as I try to do that. <laughs> you should. It's it's honestly it's uh, once you get the hang of it a couple practice tries it's it's really a fun technique to do um you just have the only thing you have to get used to is the drying time and keeping your hands straight but it's once you're kind of like you know what this is an imperfect finish you know it's kind of like distressing a piece but you're doing it mod in a modern sense that's kind of what i've been calling it which is which is exactly like what 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 would scare me is the drying time basically because I am in Texas and our dry my dry time yeah. here is quick. Depending depending on the paint that we're using, if we're using paint with a sealer mm-hmm. already in it, like it's yeah. ridiculously fast. So I don't have enough time to level it out and get it in there. It's as soon as I go, I go and that's it. <laughs> So that's what scares me, basically. My recommendation would be adding more glaze because the, the technique is um, it's called uh, stray and the stray technique. And it's just mixing glaze and paint together. So I would recommend adding more glaze, which extends the drying time and also working in smaller sections. So just doing one drawer at a time and um, the tops and the sides are always a little bit tricky. So I say, you know, I always recommend to do those last once you get 
the hang of it, you know. Um, but definitely doing smaller sections is helps with that um, extension. You're, you're basically inspiring. I will I will attempt that on something small eventually, but you should. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That was sweet. <laughs> well, thank you. Any other questions for Courtney? So I love the drawer pulls. I would have never thought to put that brass on there, but it looks so pretty. It just adds a nice little flair to it. Yeah, I can't even tell you. Like, I didn't see another piece, or I, I had never even seen those before. It was just I needed hardware, and I was looking up just, like, brass. You know, I love when brass and blue are paired together. Oh, me and, too. <laughs> um, right? It's just such a pretty combo. And, uh... I just saw those. I was like, oh, those are cool. Like, I uh, just, I kind of just went with it. So I'm glad that they turned out and I, I really love them. <laughs> yeah, they're really neat. And I had to scroll back to your original picture to see what you guys were talking about. I didn't even realize you added that strip mm -hmm. in on the top large yeah. um, desk portion. Mm -hmm. I said, wait, what are they talking about? Because I, it, it's, it was a great idea because it truly does. It's, you know, a, a desk in disguise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's such a good balance, basically. Like it's, you know, because we we see it, right? We're like, wait, hang on, something's off, and that's like the perfect fix. Yeah, it's like this piece has so much potential. It's a little strange, but I know, I know this is going to be something. <laughs> well, Courtney, describe your style for us. Oh, um, I <laughs> I would say I definitely lean more modern. Um, I like clean lines and um, I do like the natural wood look. So I would say modern transitional, um, but I do. But it's so funny because my more popular pieces are more vintage or antique looking ones like, like this desk. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. It's actually my most liked piece ever. So it's, wow. um, I guess I made it, I modernized it, but um, yeah. So modern transitional, Vintage, I would say, is my style. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, you, you guys are all just creating your own categories, and that's neat. Exactly. <laughs> well, really beautiful job, Courtney. Congratulations. Thank you. And share your Instagram account. I'm at Steel Birch Studios uh, on Instagram. Got it. Susan, you won third place. Your piece is a dresser. And I have to point out that even the color name was fitting for the theme. I think it was called Raindrop. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Well, so tell us about it. I was working on two pretty challenging pieces at the time, and I just figured I needed to grab another piece that I could, you know, that wouldn't require weeks of repairs. <laughs> um, so this piece came in really good condition, really nice straight lines, did not need a lot of work. So I took this piece in and fixed it up very quickly um, while I was working on the other two for many more weeks. Um, it was nice because usually the pieces I get are in really rough shape. I don't know why I'm drawn to those, but I tend to be <laughs> getting over my head sometimes. But this piece was in excellent condition, really clean, um, local, and did not need much work. So it was in and out in a few days um, and fit perfectly. And like you said, with the theme of April, um, I knew I wanted to do something kind of light and airy. And I love um, company Serena and Lily, love their style. So I kind of was browsing through their catalog and came up with um, the scheme for this and then found some cute knobs on Amazon. Um, they were a little darker, so I took them all apart, sanded them all down, reefed the holes from the original hardware, painted and, and Wow, well, that was very lovely. Well, questions for Susan? 
What color was it? What was the name of it again? It was Raindrop from um, Amulet Paint, the Chippy Barn. I I just love the hardware paired with that. And I, I don't know, it's, it's a simple piece, but it's just like, it's just gorgeous. And I love your staging. I just think, I just think it's a definitely a winner. I think you did a really good job. Thanks. It went to a house um, down on the Cape. Yeah, I was about to say it's very coastal. Yeah, yep, right down to the coast. It's <laughs> <That's> very fitting. <laughs> yes, it's it's such a soft color, but it's so pretty. I think it's very impactful, and it's just it's. I love the the name is actually very fitting, like Lane said. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that too. And then the knobs. I love how you were able to get those knobs to match the top. I mean, it's such a beautiful dresser. Well, Susan, describe your style for us. Hmm. Um, <laughs> similar to yeah. Courtney and Daisy. <laughs> it really is. I, I like to do a lot of different styles. Um, I think I'm, I have some that are very traditional pieces and then some that are more transitional. Every now and then I'll do a modern piece. Um, I'm not really into Victorian styles and I don't like a lot of floral and scroll work on um, pieces I get. And if I do get some like that, I tend to remove them, which I know is not preferred by a lot of people. How could you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just like more simple, clean lines. I guess more traditional, <laughs> transitional, um, and a little bit of modern. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's such a cool, and I would have to say a very peaceful piece too. Uh, yeah. So nice work. Congratulations, Susan. Thank you. Well, share your Instagram account as well. At Little Lou Designs on Instagram. Hi, this is Jen from Vintage Sisters, and this podcast is sponsored by our friends at Zebra. Where do I begin to share our favorite things about Zebra paintbrushes? Let's start with our favorite brush, the square. Hands down, we don't do a project without one. We love this brush for getting into grooves, corners, and detailed edges. Zebra brushes come in a variety of shapes and sizes, and they're very affordable, so that price point is an added bonus. When you get the chance to try one out and see for yourself what a flawless finish they can help you achieve with your project, we're confident that you'll be hooked on them as well. Thank you, Jen. We, of course, love hearing our friends rave about zebra paintbrushes. One of the most popular segments on our podcast are our panel discussions, light and enjoyable conversations between refinishers on the topic of refinishing, of course. Well, today we're going to discuss maintaining safety in your studios. You know, paints have come a long way with low to no VOCs, but because you're refinishing old pieces, you can run into lead paints and stains. Plus, you are cleaning, stripping and sanding even before you get to the painting. So I'm going to turn it over to you three and enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. So I think um, it's been covered a lot before just safety in furniture refinishing, because as Lane just said, there are so many potential hazards in this line of work. And one that I hadn't thought of until recently was um, the potential hearing damage or safe levels of noise that we are repetitively exposed to. Never crossed my mind until recently. I would think of all the toxic fumes and whatever. So most of us will use respirators or have good um, ventilation, um, but never really thought about ear protection. And I think that is a pretty big or an important topic that should be addressed just because I did a little research today and realized you all started thinking about all the things that we can use on a regular basis that make noise like 
electric saws, which some of us use, orbital sanders, um, table saws, shop vacs, all that type of stuff does have a constant hum. And if we're out there working in our place, you know, even for a few hours every day, that can have a cumulative effect on our hearing. So um, just recently started to make a point to wear some ear protection to avoid that cumulative um, damage that has been could be causing problems. Have either of you used earplugs or any ear protection for anything like that? I just bought mine, but they're still in the package. <laughs> okay, that's a start. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really had an actual opportunity to use them. And then if I feel like it's needed, I'll definitely put them on. The other thing is I don't have earphones now, but I was using my earphones. But that's not quite helpful either because when the music is blasting. You turn it up even louder, right? So you can hear your music and not your... <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So that wasn't... What's that saying? <laughs> but I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I hear ringing in my ears a lot out of nowhere. And that's why eventually I said, you know what? I can't be working like this. I need I need to buy the ear protection. And like I said, I do have it. I just haven't had a real opportunity where I feel like I need to wear them at that moment just yet. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like I um, I did a semester in music school um, back in college, and we learned so much about ear protection and, you know, it's how concerts and playing instruments can, you know, damage your ears. And until you said that in our group chat, I had never even considered it. It seems like such a simple thing. Like, obviously, I'm around my shop back, which is loud and obnoxious, and I can't listen to my podcast that I want to, (laughs) you know, but like, so I just can't even believe I haven't even considered it. And, you know, even some church services I go to, like, literally, the music is like hurts my ears. And I'm like, what? Like, doesn't everybody know about ear protection? Like, I'm such a hypocrite, you know? (laughs) Right. So I, I think it's, I don't think it's very commonly talked about or um, yeah, because I mean, a lot of attention's on, you know, fumes and, you know, dust and stuff like that. But, you know, like you have a pair of ears and that's yeah. it. So yeah. I think it's just very, very important. Yeah. We just, I think we need to remember how scary it can be when we're without it, right? And, you know, the protection is obviously so that we're not without it. I know, Susan, you were talking about that too. Like, that's very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was my eye opener because I, I, told everyone here I did I lost my hearing about now two weeks ago I think um in one ear and I have they did not say it was as a result of potential you know potential decibels of the noise from all the the Mm -hmm. um, equipment that I use it was most likely from some random virus I had but it's not definite so Mm. either way I said okay this is you know if I do get my hearing back from now on I'm wearing ear protection and you know whether it's earbuds or earmuffs designed to help um I think both I've read both can be very effective but having Mm -hmm. earphones that go with your music or your phone even if they're noise canceling, that does not do the job. Because I was thinking, all right, I can just put my headphones on and do the noise canceling. And I thought I'd get protection out of that. But apparently, upon doing some uh. research, that does not help. <laughs> you have to have a real uh. hearing protective device. So, Well, that's actually very helpful because I don't think any of us know that. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I, it. Like, I don't think that would have ever even, well, if you're canceling the noise, why wouldn't it help? But you, no, you're right. And it's not just the noise. I think it's the frequency and the vibration as well. Um, because, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I am very hypersensitive to noise. Um, and 
you know, when I hear it, it my ears do vibrate. And I mean, it, mm-hmm. it goes hand in hand with the sander. I mean, it's not just our ears vibrating, it's our hand vibrating too. I mean, there's there's so much protection that we need to do. And, and then I'll just move it over to sanding. You know, we need to know when to stop or give each other or give ourselves a break because we won't uh, realize how bad our hand starts to hurt until the next day. It's true. When, and then it's too late. Yeah, this it's a fun job, but it is so repetitive. <laughs> it's, right. Can, yeah. Yep. The carpal tunnel issues start coming up after that, too, right? When we sand. I just started getting carpal tunnel, and I'm like, no, I refuse for this to be real. <laughs> you know, and it has gone away. But, you know, like, these are real things that can happen and, and do happen. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm going to charge a lot for the dresser i just you know slaved over with my body for a week in a hot right yeah it's like this is like physical labor of you know um transforming things yeah it's it's crazy how um i think little respect this industry industry had at the beginning right because everybody thought well you're just painting that's all you're doing (laughs) i wish and we're like (laughs) well, well hang on we just learned how to use tools that you know and let's talk about the fact that we're women and we learn how to use tools that no man Mm -hmm. ever thought we knew how to use (laughs) (laughs) Um, and not only that we we're we're putting our own body and our own sweat and tears into these pieces i mean it's it's actual labor intensive work you know it's so funny i returned a a saw blade from from my miter saw (laughs) to to the home depot like checkout counter and they were like were you using this? I'm like, well, yeah, um, you know, like for like for what? Like they, she was like, I just, I've never seen a woman like oh, no. use one of these, and I was like, <laughs> I know. Aww. I was just like, really? And then she ended up like asking for my card and like wanting furniture oh, well, that's done. Cool. I'm like, oh, sorry, yeah, I don't. That's, that's a good <laughs> yeah. segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's funny. But yeah, you're and right. And it's funny <laughs> that you're bringing that up because I can't believe that's still happening. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I was honestly really. Does she watch like, HDTV? Right. I don't. Right? <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. I was so taken back. I'm like, oh, oh, like I'm not like special or anything. This is just well, of course like, you are special, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think it's part of our but. safety, understanding our tools too, right? I mean, I think at first when we all started, we probably had like the little hand-me-down tools and we're like okay hang on let me figure out how to figure this out but i've actually upgraded most of my tools because of all of my health issues because i do have carpal tunnel pain every once in a while um i don't i don't i had to upgrade my sander to to a nicer sander which i wasn't ready to you know invest in that probably necessary Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, you know what? My my lungs are important. I have to get the shop back in here. I have to get something that Mm -hmm. has less vibration on my hand. You know, I need to be able to have something that's comfortable and it's not heavy. I mean, all of those things you don't Mm -hmm. think about it when you start in this industry. You're like, okay, it's just a sander, okay? But that sander can actually break your hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It all adds up. Basically, every single tool adds up. I think. I would say one of my bigger concerns too is um, just my biggest fear is lifting a piece or my husband lifting a piece and doing like pulling our backs or something. You know, like that. That ha- I've heard about it happening, and I just that's something we continually to try to lift with our yeah. knees. You know, don't don't 
do weird angles, right. you know, just at this point, we've carried so much furniture together. It seems so easy <laughs> and we work well as a team, but still, I don't take that lightly, you know, because that, that could throw anybody out of the oh, game. Oh, definitely. Yeah, one little twist the wrong way and you're out. I think there was a, I think I might've actually been on another podcast here with, with Zebra before. And we talked about um, some lifting straps, yeah. which are just mm-hmm. kind of two mm, yeah. like vinyl straps, which can make a world of difference too, to have good body mechanics. Mm-hmm. Not that I own any yeah. and I know I should, but <laughs> I I'm usually trying to move my stuff I've thought about on my own. Several times. <laughs> right. I, I think I've actually gotten to the point where if, I don't trust and my partner's looking at me and he's laughing right now um, because we, we have issues moving stuff around. <laughs> we were talking about Tetrising the stuff. It's My issue is with him <laughs> because mm-hmm. we can't ever get on the same page. I can't get him to admit that he might be a lefty. <laughs> he might be more of a lefty than a righty um, because the way he picks things up, I'm like, well, normal people go this way. Why do you go the opposite? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh God! So every time we move something, if there's a small little tiff, like okay, no, you go that way, I go this way. No, wait, 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 one, two, three. <laughs> That's funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we do need to pay attention to that, obviously, and and that's part of the reason why I, we have the tiffs. It's because I'm like I don't want to accidentally hurt myself trying to get this piece inside. So you know. It's just, good communication Uh, and i'm saying it because you know i'm I'm preaching it but i'm not really practicing it (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i just have to add because uh, susan is very modest but susan um you have a master's or or a doctorate in physical therapy am i not am i correct so yes i have my doctorate in physical therapy (laughs) wow oh my gosh yeah, so we, we have the expert on, and that's the reason why we had her on, uh, and uh, Jen Green as well. Jen Green, yeah. Yep. And so that's so cool to have that because that's exactly what we're looking for is the right way to do things and, you know, making observations is there, have I been doing things the incorrect way? Right. Because the last thing right. we want to do is damage mm-hmm. our bodies in the process. So, Yeah, so um, do you ladies use Dremels? I not no, enough. I have one, but well, actually, my dad has one that he's brought over a few times, but I haven't <laughs> haven't taken it out. I would love to hear about your experience with it. I want to use one. I just haven't <laughs> had the time to really look into it too much. So, um, do you have like a, a safety story? Uh, yeah, this, this happened like literally two days ago. Um, we we got it, and um, I got it because I was trying to finish another project, and I needed to do some very. Um, heavy sanding on an area where I couldn't get to it and mm-hmm. even if I were to try to do it with my hand there was just no way I was going to be strong enough to actually pull it off so we went and we purchased one and I really enjoy it it's really cute it's it, it gets the job done it's just so dusty because um, there's no there's no mm-hmm. dust extractor behind it or anything like that but we were trying to change out the blade and we're Uh-oh, looking at all the instructions. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to get this thing so that we can actually put a blade in it, the circular blade. And we finally mm-hmm. figured it out. We go and we put it in. And I tell my partner's about to go in there and just cut it. I'm like, no, hang on. Because, like I said, I'm the one who's always scared about safety. And I try to tell <laughs> him to use goggles all the time. And um, he doesn't. Goggles, to, not goggles, but, you know, glasses. Protective eyewear. Protective yeah. glasses. Yeah. Minor goggles. Yeah. That's why I'm calling them. <laughs> I have the DeWalt ones that strap around your head. There you go. So we call he calls goggles. 
and he just goes and turns it on, and as soon as he turns it on, that blade went flying. Mm -hmm. So we were just lucky that there wasn't a single cat in the way, and that that it didn't get too much, you know, power because it was as soon as we turned it on. And the thing is, I'm like, what did we do different? the second time we put it on there we did the exact same thing so i mean i would just say always test your your tools always make sure that you're you know protected obviously and then even even after we did that he went and he went to go cut i'm like you need to put something on your eyes like just don't i had to take it out of his hand (laughs) and make him go you never know you never know when it's gonna happen (laughs) right because you just never I mean, and then he works. He works yeah. with blades all the time. I work with blades as well, and I'm I'm terrified to use any circular saw or a saw saw or any saw basically without wearing eye protection, for the same reason because you just never know. Especially if we have you know our multi tools and where we're changing out the blades and everything. It's just to me, obviously, this this the the tool is designed so that it's protected or so that it protects you, right? But at the same time, things happen. Mm-hmm. I think the note to be made about that as well, um, and I have a Dremel. They're actually really cool tools. But I think the important thing is that you have to really know your tools really mm-hmm. well. And, and and that is harder when you when you get a new tool and you start you kind of learn how to use it is just to really make sure you look at the manuals, make sure you fully understand because there are locking mechanisms in the Dremel that holds those those uh, blades and sanders and all those things, you know, in place. But I think what Daisy, what you said, what all of you are saying is so important is just to make sure you have your safety glasses, your protective eyewear and your um, earplugs and, you know, the masks on and all of those things, because it's one thing to know that you need to put them on. It's another thing to actually. Right. Just take the extra minute, cover the eyes, nose, ears, and mouth. (laughs) Just set that every time, just in case. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're vital organs and vital things that we need to protect. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I think it's this idea that we don't look cool doing it that maybe stops us. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I mean, your eyes are your eyes. What are you going to do without them? Yeah. Well, the other aspect of that, too, is I think, you know, what you guys are doing is hard work. And depending on where you're working, it may be hot. Right, yes. And so, you know, do you, you, that's probably a discouragement. You know, I'm already hot and sweaty. Do I really want to put all that stuff on? But obviously. Right. And then the mask causing the goggles or your glasses to fog. You get back into that little Uh cycle. (laughs) 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 Right. Well, as always, the panel discussions are great. You know, I, I always feel like I'm <laughs> eavesdropping. On Lane, what are you doing here? Conversation. <laughs> I know, exactly. You know, it, it reminds me when I was a kid and we had those phone party lines. You know, you pick up the phone and somebody else would already be on the line talking. <laughs> if you listened in on their conversation, they could usually tell someone else was on the line. And right, there'd they be would a little say, click or something, right? Yeah, give away. <laughs> That's right, exactly. You know what? I think I just dated myself. Oh, no, I'm right there with you, Lane. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sue. (laughs) We dated both of us, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. We we, we uh, all had the the home phones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, think about the technology. You know, now we all have cell phones. We can be reached anywhere we go when it wasn't that long ago where our phones had cords, you know? I mean, things have changed dramatically. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago for us, but 
you know, because it's our lifetime. So for us, it seems like it wasn't forever ago. For all of our, yeah. you know, 20-year-olds, they're like, what in the world is that? Exactly. <laughs> well, my two, my eight, nine, I mean, my nine and 10-year-old, the other day we were watching something on television. They both stopped and looked. And, Mom, did you have a TV when you grew up? Yes, I had a television, guys. I'm not that old. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think you should take that offense. It's just the, the concept of yes, time for right. them, right? Like, <laughs> they think it's forever ago when it's really over, you know, a few years for us funny. or, you know, a week uh, of an exactly, eye for us, yeah. basically. It was cute. Well, again, congratulations, Daisy, Courtney, and Susan. You all are incredibly talented artists. And thanks again for inspiring us with your winning pieces, but also for sharing insights regarding safety protocols in the studio. So we really appreciate it. And just want to say go back and enjoy your refinishing, but make sure you gear up with your safety stuff, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today's refinishing tip comes from Nicole with 1300 North Design. Hi, this is Nicole Culbertson with 1300 North Design. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I am a full-time furniture refinisher and I sell all of my pieces local to central Illinois. Um, I've been painting full-time for about three years and I uh, was a hobby painter before that and a nurse and I just did pieces for my own home. I wanted to share a quick tip with you guys today about how I personally like to achieve an authentically chippy and aged finish. Uh, my favorite product for the job would be a milk paint. It provides the most authentically aged look in my opinion. It can be unpredictable with the chipping at times depending on the finish underneath, but it makes it worth it because the authenticity of the chipping and the aged look is unmatched. My go-to tools for the job, um, I always brush my milk paint on and I like to use the two inch rip and glide and the palm pro by zebra. In my opinion, those work best with milk paint and they give me the finish that I am looking for. When I'm looking for a piece that I am wanting to have chip back to the wood, I try to avoid anything with a lot of red undertones in it or anything that it looks like it's going to give you a lot of bleed through. Milk paint has a lot of water in it and it will rehydrate pretty much any finish that's underneath of it. So those are the things that I try to avoid is something that is really red or it looks like it's just going to offer you a lot of bleed through. I always start by cleaning my pieces really well and doing a light scuff sand. With milk paint, I do a very light scuff sand as to not bring out a ton of the previous finish, um, which is probably not what you're used to doing, but you don't really want to break through a whole lot of that previous finish because you're going to bring back all of those tannins and stains, and that will come through when you rehydrate with that really water-filled milk paint. By not sanding away a lot of that previous finish, that will give you that resist layer that will resist the milk paint in certain areas and offer you that chipping. You can also entice further chipping by using a spray bottle and rehydrating the milk paint, and sometimes that will give you a little bit more chipping. And then also, I will occasionally use a heat gun, and that will also give you that chipping and crackling that you're looking for. I hope you found some of that useful, and I hope some of those tips encouraged you to try out a vintage or a chipped furniture finish if you have not done that, and um, maybe found something helpful that you didn't know before. Uh, anyway, happy painting. Thank you, Nicole. Great tip. 
It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hi, furniture friends. This is Tara with Vintage Chic. And this week in my studio, I am working on a Heppel White buffet. And I decided to go with the classic white body and dark stained top. And the color I chose was Epiphany by Melange Paints. And this color is gorgeous. It's not just a bright white. It's got, you know, the beigey undertones so it pairs really well with the dark wood top and the stain I used is Minwax aged barrel it's got a little bit of gray to it it's just all really pretty together so I hope to get it down to my store and staged and photographed this week and of course that is the most challenging part for me hopefully you can stay tuned to my page vintage chic in Iowa on Instagram and Facebook to see how it comes together Hi, this is Mary with Joy and Grace Designs. What's happening in my studio this week? I am working on a Italian provincial style dresser. It has nine drawers. Um, a little damage to clean up on it from getting it out of an old barn, but otherwise in great condition. I plan on sanding the top down, um, just kind of giving it a nice neutral stain on the top and painting the body a nice gray color, really hoping to make it um, a piece that could fit in anyone's home. So check out my Instagram. Um, you can follow the progress of the dresser on there, Join Grace Designs. Hi, this is Alyssa with the things we built on Instagram. This week, I am working on a beautiful mid-century piece. It is a Bassett French Provincial style dresser, and I'm going way out of my comfort zone and painting it a mustard color. I'm really anxious to see how it turns out, though, because I feel like you either love or you hate mustard colors, especially when it comes to furniture. I think it's going to be beautiful, though. I plan on leaving the top exposed wood and staining it, and then I'm going to restore the brass hardware that's on there. I always try and keep original hardware if I can. And unfortunately, this is the only piece I'm going to be working on this week because my baby sister's getting married in a few days, and I need to make sure there is no paint anywhere on my body for that wedding. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to one of our newer podcast segments called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary finishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Amanda with Lemon Pepper Farmhouse. Hey everybody, this is Amanda over at Lemon Pepper Farmhouse and I would love to give accolades to my friend Irina over at Repurpose Refinished Upcycled. I've been following Irina since the very beginning and there are so many reasons why I think she deserves this, but right off the top of my head, she is just this tiny, beautiful woman who can haul around these huge pieces of furniture, transform them into um, just the most beautiful pieces. And all the while, she will take you with her, whether it is in a reel or her story, but she will share her tips and tricks and the try different paints and try different products and um and all that good stuff and i love watching all of that um the other thing i love about her is how engaging she is with her followers she 
If you contact her directly, she will answer you. Um, But I also love reading her comments and conversations with her other followers. I've learned a lot that way too. Um, The third reason that I love her so much is because she has the best sense of humor. And I often have found myself laughing out loud at some of the things that she posts. So altogether, if you are not following her, please do. She is a great account to follow. And um, I thank you so much, Zebra, for letting me honor her with this. And I hope you guys all have a great day. Thanks, Amanda and accolades, Irina. Friends, it is time to go clean and classic with your pieces this month. That's right. The Zebra Review theme for July is clean and classic. These beautiful pieces will be simple, one color with no distressing. You can incorporate exposed wood on the legs only. Tag your clean and classic pieces that were refinished from July 1st through July 31st, 2022 with the hashtag The Zebra Review. Our five judges will be choosing three winners. Our judges are Jenna Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwatina of Portland Rose Studio, and Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. Our sponsors this month include Melange Paints, The Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paintbrushes. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing.